We'll get back to your text in a moment on 0457 736 736. But as somebody rightfully pointed out, the first test is always the official start of the summer. Looking forward to our coverage. It gets underway as soon as we get off here at midday here on the morning program, 11 o'clock in Queensland. Jared Waitley, Adam Collins. And our next guest, Simon Kadich, who's on the line right now. Morning, Caddo. Good morning, guys. It's funny, isn't it? Uh, a lot of the lead-up to this test match hasn't so much been about the prospective teams and, and the pitch and what sort of contest we can expect, but, you know, this jousting between Mitchell Johnson and David Warner and then, of course, Usman Kawaja's shoes and the rest of it. But I suppose, as they say, all publicity is good publicity. At least it's getting people talking about the cricket. Yeah, it certainly has been. Uh, there's been plenty of uh, contentious topics, obviously, at the moment with selections and uh, throwing Cameron Green as well and the PM's 11 match. Uh, and obviously the Pakistanis weren't happy with, you know, the, the wicket that was produced there, given how slow it was and, and compared to what they're going to expect here at Perth Stadium. So, yeah, there's plenty going on in the background. But I think, you know, once the players get out there today and get stuck into it, hopefully uh, the action out in the middle will speak for itself. Uh, no surprises in the 11 that they picked. Of course, Nathan Lyon back in after that calf injury and then the three quicks of Stark, Cummins, Hazelwood and, of course, Warner at the top of the order. I don't think anybody expected much different, did they? No, not really. I think, you know, the selectors made their call, I think, earlier this year. I mean, if they were going to make a call, they would have made it before the Indian series and the Ashes series because that's probably where Warner was most vulnerable under pressure given that his record in both those parts of the world uh, haven't been great, and uh, given his recent form, and, and he hadn't scored 100 in, in both venues. So uh, the fact that they stuck with him, and I think there was no surprise he was going to play the home summer here because his record in Australia is, is almost second to none. I think he averages about 58. Uh, he loves playing Pakistan here in Australia, as he yeah. showed in Adelaide a few years ago when he got the 335 not out. So, look, yeah. I think there's no surprise, and, and it would be no surprise if he goes on and gets runs against this inexperienced Pakistan attack in our conditions over the next few tests. Well, he's due to Optus Stadium. Uh, I think he's had four innings here, average less than 30. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, Pakistan, It's you never know what you're going to get, do you? It's like the old Forrest Gump box of chocolates, and they haven't won a test match here since 1995. But they've got a new captain, Shan Masood, who, you know, let's be honest, hasn't been great with the bat. You know, Barbara's arms are class. You've got Shaheen Shah Afridi. I'm a, a big fan of Mohammad Rizwan's work. But you just got to don't know which Pakistan's going to show up, which is almost the beauty of it in a sense, but I think you know, stepping aside from your, your country loyalties for a moment, I think most people would actually just want to see a really closely fought contest. Oh, look, hopefully it will be. I mean, I think the reason it won't be is because Australia is so dominant in our home conditions that we're very, very difficult to beat here, but having been in Pakistan last year for the, the first series there between Australia and Pakistan, so oh, it was nearly 20 years, um, Pakistan were excellent and they were in that series right until the last test. However, the pitches in Pakistan were extremely flat and their batsmen are used to batting in those conditions. So it was hard work for the Australian quicks. And uh, in that respect, that's where it'll be totally different because they do have some good young batsmen, young Abdullah Shafiq at the top of the order is averaging yeah. 50 in test cricket. He's a good young player. He's only, I think, 23 years of age. Uh, there's another one in the middle order, Saw Shaquille has come in, made double hundred earlier in the year against Sri Lanka in Sri Lanka, um, and he's averaging I think eighty odd at the moment. So, they, and Bubba Azam, you know, needs no introduction. He's a class player, averaging sort of forty seven in Test cricket. So they've got some very good players. The problem they've got is can they take twenty Australian wickets in our conditions where our batting is very very strong, and we have got a number of guys that are you know in good form, albeit uh, in recent times in white ball cricket. So. 
I guess the big challenge for them is how their two debutants uh, go here in Perth, whether they get their line and length right for the Australian batsmen. And not playing a spinner here could be yeah. fraught with danger because we've seen Nathan Lyon bowl beautifully here in the past. He's four away from 500, and I expect him to get to 500 test wickets here in Perth this week. Fascinating to see how they play this tactically. Shah Massoud is known to be a bit of a basball disciple too, Caddo. And last series they played, I think they beat Sri Lanka 2-0, but they're going at a pretty decent clip, sort of five and a half and over. I think they've got, well, nothing to lose really. I'd like to see them bring that attacking mentality to this series. Yeah, look, there's nothing wrong with being aggressive in our conditions. I just think you've got to be doing it at the right time. So uh, obviously the new ball here can be difficult if there's movement and grass on the wicket and, and particularly against our quicks with their height and pace and bounce. You know, there's a big difference between facing three or four guys bowling 140Ks an hour uh, on our tracks compared to probably the Sri Lankan attack at the moment in, in their conditions. So, look, I think they're trying to go about it the right way and be proactive. It's just in Australia, you're probably going to have to do that once the ball settles around the 30-40 over mark. And then you can be proactive and look to put pressure on and potentially attack Nathan Lyon. But... This Australian attack is, is a great Australian attack. It's, it's one of our best ever, and uh, it will be difficult for this Pakistan batting lineup to be able to go at a you know at a good clip against them for any length of time because they're so disciplined and they've got so much skill. Hopefully the crowd shows up, but there's a bit of a protest, wasn't there? So they said last year, they said, oh, well, the West Indies, you know, not exactly a draw card like they were 30 years ago, but further to that, they're unhappy with the manner in which Justin Langer was. Uh, seemed to have been treated. Uh, now he's come out, JL, and said, come on, come and support the side. But I want to ask you about the openers, Cato, and you're well-placed to answer this question. And you may have seen all the stats, and maybe it brings a smile on your face, and they talk about the inevitable decline of Australian players in the last two years of their career, and they cite, you know, Ponting and Hayden and, and the rest of them. And they said, the one that bucks the trend is one S. Katic, who in the last two years of his career, his average actually went up. But you played with... Shane Watson, who played a lot in the middle order, and then, of course, he ended up opening the batting with him. Mark Taylor, in the nine papers today, he says he likes the idea of Cameron Green potentially being shifted to the opening position once Warner retires. Thinks he's got the technique for it. It's a way of getting a man of his immense talent into the side. Is that a genuine option? Well, I actually said that exact same thing earlier yesterday before I flew to Perth uh, with Adam White on SEN. So... Uh, it's my belief that, you know, Cameron Green, in my mind, is a superior player to the other three. And that's no disrespect to the others. They're all good young players. But I think Cameron Green has proven in his first-class career already uh, to have a better first-class average. I think it's just under 47, whereas the others are all sort of high 30s. Um, and the other part of this is that Cameron Green is a gun in the gully or in the slips wherever he feels. Yeah. Um, plus, he can bowl 140Ks plus. And the big thing which this team continually talks about is, you know, there's players that are playing a role in this team, so they don't always just look at the pure numbers. So the stats, yeah, they're, yes, they're relevant at times um, because you can't hide away from performance. But it's the other aspect that Cameron Green brings to this team over the last couple of years, which has allowed them to win that World Test Championship, is that... By bowling 15, 20 overs a test or whatever it ends up being, you know, he takes pressure off the big three quicks and potentially Nathan Lyon at times because of that role. And so the question is, can Mitch Marsh do that as the all-rounder? That's the big challenge for him because his durability has always been a question. He's regularly broken down with his workload at test level from a bowling perspective. So I believe that both of them can fit into this team once David Warner finishes up. And I think 
given that Cameron Green's made the bulk of his biggest scores and hundreds for WA batting at four, I think if you put it to the young kid, I reckon he'd jump at the chance to open because, mm. yes, it's a challenge, but you actually... The one thing I found was that I actually was better suited because you don't chew up nervous energy sitting there waiting to bat. And as a youngster starting out in his test career, I don't know whether that's happening with him, but he might find that it frees him up to go out there and, and just know when he's batting the whole time. You win the toss, okay, you're opening. Or, you know, as soon as the opposition's bowled out, you know you're walking out there to bat rather than sit around waiting for hours and then come in facing spin or an old ball. So I think he's equipped to bat at the top of the order. He's done it at four for... WA, I don't think that, you know, it's a huge difference because there's times where he would have come in and it's two down for not many and he's had to face a new ball just as he's done when he's batting at six. So I, I think there's, it's certainly worth the discussion um, because I think he's, he's going to be a long-term test player for us and a very good one. I think you're right. We also noticed the news Travis Head promoted to co-vice-captain alongside Steve Smith and we saw what he did in the World Cup final and, you know, his brand of attacking cricket there in the middle order. I mean, his stocks are really risen, Travis Head. What, what I love about this side too, Simon, I mean, the knock is that they're an ageing side, but they've just got so much leadership depth as well. There is, and I think this is a clear sign that, you know, what he's done in the last 18 months across all formats, and this is credit to the hierarchy, and I'm sure that Travis Head would back me up on this, is that they've given him a role that suits in test cricket to go out there and be aggressive and play the way that suits him. And you can see his belief has grown remarkably since he got that 160 at the Gabba in the Ashes a couple of seasons ago. And he's gone from strength to strength. He goes out there and plays freely and plays his way and takes the game on. And this team loves that. So credit to McDonald and and Pat Cummins for for giving him that belief and and backing him in. Then we've seen it recently in white ball cricket. They've given him a chance at the top of the order for the ODIs. He's done that brilliantly with that World Cup victory. And then the other part of it is now back in the T20 international team on the back of both these dominant performances. And I think he's got about 3,000 international runs in the last 18 months. So he's going from strength to strength. This is recognition of that. And obviously he's done you know, some leadership for South Australia in the past in state cricket. So it's a great feather in his cap to know that he's being viewed that way. And, and in time, there might be an opportunity for him down the track. Obviously, the Western Australian fans will be disappointed that they didn't get to see the wild thing Lance Morris unleashed. He said, look, his time will come. But, you know, Josh Hazard, we know in the past couple of seasons, Caddo has had a few injury concerns and hasn't really been able to string, say, three or four test matches together. So if if one of the three quicks were to, to fall over at some point this summer, you know, does he leapfrog Boland or Nisa? Is he, is he the next in line? Is it the perfect time then to unleash him? Look, I mean, obviously it would be nice to see him get a, a run because there's something special about someone that can bowl close to well, up to 150Ks and he's done very well for WA, I think 31 wickets last year in about six games So, and, and they won the Sheffield Shield. So, yeah, there's plenty to like about him. He's improving rapidly. Um, but I also like the fact that, you know, they're going with the proven performers and, and picking their best 11 because there's plenty at stake. There's a World Test Championship cycle starting again and Australia, you know, got it at the moment. We want to keep it. So I think that ruthless attitude will hopefully serve us well. And his time will come if there's, a you know, natural attrition. Whether he's next in line, I'm not sure because, you know, Scott Boland hasn't done much wrong in his test career. Um, yeah. He's done brilliantly well for Australia and he plays a great role whenever he gets an opportunity. He found it tough in the ashes, but, you know, that was his first experience and that can happen. But, yeah, I'll be interested to see what they do if there is an injury because 
Boland hasn't done much wrong. And given that the next test is Boxing Day, if something did happen to one of these three, and Boland's done so well at the MCG in previous years, and that's his home deck. So, yeah, I'm not sure Morris might have jumped him, but purely because it's here in Perth, that maybe he's been the talk. All right, mate, before we let you go, uh, you win the toss, you're batting first on this pitch, yes? I haven't seen it firsthand, but I think so. I mean, yeah. three times there's been tests here, Australia have won batting first, and I think you know, runs on the board are crucial here in Perth, particularly if there's some warmth around and, and the wicket can crack up later in the test. It is the official start of the summer. Australia and Pakistan gets underway. You can hear every ball live right here on SEN. Simon Cadditch, thank you so much for your time on the program this morning. We're looking forward to the call. My pleasure. There he is, Simon Cadditch, former Australian opener and now part of the SEN cricket commentary team. 0457 736 736, break on summer mornings.